I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. What is up, you all? Welcome back to another episode of the Pop Podcast. So much has been going on behind the scenes and everything that has been going on in my life and all the ideas that I've kind of alluded to on social media. And I will come up with a solo episode here very soon. All was sparked by this week's guest. This is the exact reminder that I need and maybe you all needed that when you go into a conversation, a situation, a relationship, whatever it is, and you think that it's going to go one way and it goes the opposite way in the best way possible. This is exactly what this conversation did to me. I have a serial entrepreneur in so many different ways, Kalina Maletic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who is the CEO of Kickstart Your Work, Leadware, and recently, Chiefly, which brought her from Canada to the United States. She's a self-leadership coach, a founder, entrepreneur, an author. She does it all, and she is in incredible. Her work as a coach is apparent throughout this entire episode. We talk about just about everything when it comes to business, when it comes to life, questions to ask yourself to get out of a rut or to narrow down an idea or a vision that you have in your life, how to navigate through different challenges that you're working through both personally and professionally all of the work that she's done as a coach and what that ultimately led her to write about in her book, Memorable Lessons to Leave a Legacy. Y'all, this episode, I talked to her for three hours. I know I spoke about this on social media. She is incredible. This episode is full with so much freaking knowledge. She's inspiring. She sparked something inside of me after this episode. And I hope that you leave this conversation with more energy, clarity, a sense of calmness, presence, and all of the things that you desired from a podcast episode. Let's jump into it. And you mentioned that a job brought you here. So what was the opportunity that brought you to the States? Yeah, and it definitely is the States, I think, because Dallas is more my husband's muse. He's like obsessed with the Texan way and he loves Dallas in particular. And I I mean, it's a hot spot for real estate for sure. So I think that's what brings us to Dallas specifically. But um, I was in a startup accelerator in 2021. Um, It was in Zurich, but then it was in San Francisco as well, virtually. Okay. Um, What was the accelerator? So for startups, like from ideation all the way to launching your product and getting clients and moving through a whole acceleration, yeah, from ideation to product. Um, so that company, I had the decision to start another Canadian company, start a Swiss company or an American one. And um, in terms of investors and building it, it just made sense to start in the States. So that's sort of, it was just a <laughs> sort of a strategic decision, but then led to hey why don't we move here and work here and oh we like dallas okay so 
So yeah, adventure. Wh- what exactly is Chiefly? Give the audience a little bit of background. Like what exactly is this product and where did the idea come from? Yeah. So Chiefly is a software e-com company. We're building a solution that goes on top of Zoom to help make meetings more effective. So we use machine learning to assess keywords in a conversation, facial expressions, um, emotions from the tone of your voice. And we give insights in meetings about everyone in the call. Where did that idea come from? A lot too much time yeah. on Zoom during COVID. You were like, <laughs> we need facial. They need to recognize facial expressions. I am facial expressions, so this will recognize a lot of me. But on a serious yeah. note, where did the idea come from? Yeah. Uh, so before that, I had spent from 2016. I got my coaching certification. I'd been coaching people one on one in groups, yeah. and I realized, hey, there's a there's sort of a formula to this, and there's a formula to what makes an effective coaching conversation. And when I started bringing coaches onto my team. I realized that we needed a rubric or a way to make coaching sort of graded or more effective to see, okay, are these conversations going well? Um, and unless you want to watch thousands of hours of footage, which is a lot of work, machine learning and AI really helps you to kind of go through all that data and gather insights. So it was sort of, hey, I have all these coaching calls that I need to evaluate. Mm-hmm. How am I going to evaluate them without watching them all? Um, and And so it kind of spun off from just being about coaching calls to any meeting really and seeing what what the tone of the call was what key concepts and themes were important to get a sense of how how the meeting went and yeah I think during COVID it also <laughs> exacerbated yeah. that because you have so many meetings a lot of them inefficient mm-hmm. as well and it's like okay which calls are really necessary which how is your team also doing so getting a pulse on okay if you have one-on-ones or group weekly calls how are those going are people stressed out what's the sentiment so it gives it adds to that as well so I think it sort of started from a coaching angle because that's what the world I'm in but really transformed into any meeting any context what are two to three things that makes an efficient call from your perspective yeah it's a good question I think the con starting with the context so we have different elements that you can decide okay is this a coaching call is this a performance meeting is this a presentation so everybody being really clear about why we're here i think is super important to making something effective because if you don't have that lined out how could you possibly reach the end result if you don't know where you're going so that's really important and then i think all of those intangibles a lot of specifically managers have their agenda of what they need to share very focused on the business but they're not paying attention to those subtle details of are your people stressed who's checked out and not engaging in the meeting and doing 10 other things and multitasking are people finding other things important than you so are you talking about certain themes but people are bringing up unrelated questions so just i think having a why and then really keeping a pulse an emotional pulse on your people I think makes for a good meeting, even one-on-one, right? We need to feed off of each other in this dynamic too. Yeah. Are we on the same page? Am I making sense? You're clarifying. We're so it's also this exploration. And I think really being in tune with who's on the other side of the table, those two things really matter. Coaching was the space that I was in before I got laid off and I absolutely loved it. For those who are new to the overall concept of coaching, what exactly is coaching? It's a good question. I think anybody you ask will give you a really different definition, but I'm trade in solution focused coaching. So we're really focused on, okay, where are you today? 
where do you want to go? And let's vision and figure out, okay, what are the steps to get you there? And then a coach is somebody that's walking with you toward that point B. So that's, that's what I've been trained in. Um, we're not focused on the past. We're not therapists in that sense. We're not mentors or advisors, consultants. So we're not telling you what to do, which a lot of people show up saying, I want to be more confident, help. <laughs> I think yeah. that's more for um, trainings or maybe listening to a podcast like this. So coaching is really about asking powerful questions to help you gain clarity on your journey toward whatever it is that you want. And you have different coaches specialized in helping you get to different point Bs. What's the biggest mistake that people make along the way from A to B? Biggest mistake. In terms I, of maybe when they come into a coaching session, they think, I, I, and I heard this from a lot of CEOs, like, I want you to tell me how to get A to B. And they wanted a very direct, clear line of sight, which to your point, it's a lot of questions. It's not necessarily me telling you what to do. It's understanding who you are and why you want those things and then coming up with a plan. So what's, when I mean like A to B, like, yeah, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you see a lot of your clients make when they have this vision of A to B? Maybe it's in the direction or... I just want to get your candid thoughts. Yeah, I think in corporate, especially as as people are developing or even if they are CEOs, it's I think the biggest mistake is actually doubting your own resources, doubting yourself. I think people come to coaching looking for an external answer often or feeling mm -hmm. uncertain. Um, and I think you could not necessarily avoid having to have the coaching call, but if you come in having prepared a little bit about your own intuitions and thoughts, I think you can get a lot out of a session by, hey, here's my point A, here's my point B, here's what I'm thinking, and I want to clarify it further. People come in going, I don't know. It's like you never have zero idea. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest mistake is showing up completely unprepared, knowing what you want, but kind of never having thought about what are those steps or visioning about it. Or So, of course, you can show up to a call just out of the blue and we can work through that. But I think if people showed up and really were intentional about here's what I want and here's what I think about that and had a bit of preamble almost, it would really help to make sessions more effective. What was your why for getting into the coaching business? Another really good question. I think I was always drawn to helping people and even myself get out of destructive thinking patterns and things that weren't serving me in terms of how I approach like any thought process that is ineffective for myself or others or getting stuck in these kind of patterns of let's say dating the same person or having the same meaningless job I really wanted to help people get unstuck out of that and myself out of things that I found myself stuck in and so I, I explored therapy and being a therapist and it was just I felt that most modalities I can't speak for all yeah. therapists but it it wasn't that point A, point B, let's get resourceful and map this out. It wasn't as structured. Yeah. But like going to therapy, even in my own personal experience, was a lot of rehashing past really difficult experiences, leaving really sad, sort of relieved, but not having concrete tools to do anything about it or be moving somewhere in a different direction. It felt like I was really rehashing bad feelings a lot, at least my experience. Mm -hmm. So I... I just Googled around and thought, okay, there's got to be a better way to go about helping people than this approach. And I landed on solution-focused coaching and went for went for the certification and um, started started coaching people, started having conversations. You mentioned something to me before we got on here that you encourage people and want to inspire people to follow that voice inside of them, to chase something and 
create something that's bigger than life. And it's funny that you said that. And I immediately told her for all of you, obviously weren't on this, but I was like, stop talking. We need to get on the (laughs) microphone because there's a song and it's called bigger than, and it always repeats in my mind. Like I've always had this dream to create something that's so much bigger than myself. So it's funny when I meet people like yourself that resonate so much with that. And that's part of your why, where did that mindset stem from within you? I think a lot of tendency toward perfectionism and self-censoring and feeling like I had to be this good girl. I think that was kind of how I grew up, that I needed to follow the rules and be good in school. And a lot of being good in school is is following the rules. Yeah. And um, I really started questioning that. It just didn't feel right, especially in high school. I was very involved in everything. I was definitely always been this kind of overachiever personality. And I just... The things that I was pursuing in school were not aligned with the things that my inner voice was saying I wanted. Mm. And so I think that's sort of where it was like, wait, I keep having this want to sing more or, um, you know, speak in front of audiences and be more, be in a public dialogue. And I'm really interested in developing myself and how people think. But, okay, I'm in business school learning about finances and accounting and that doesn't so it was this kind of clarifying process of okay I I have abandoned what the voice in my set in my head I've abandoned what the voice in my head says so much that I didn't want that anymore for myself and I started seeing how much everyone does that themselves too on social media in real life in relationships with themselves sometimes like I said about coaching, they'll come to a session. I don't even know what I want. It's like, that's heartbreaking to me yeah. because we we all have these little whispers of things that we want and they seem too unrealistic. Mm-hmm. They're too scary. They're too much money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have the time to do that. I have a job. I can't have this. Like we just start explaining away these things that we really want. And I, I really think that's heartbreaking because we have one shot here you know I mean in this body in this life like it's you've got today and you don't have a guarantee about tomorrow and so it's like go for it because the worst case is what if you don't like it it doesn't work the way you thought you go a different way like the the worst case is never as bad as feeling regret when you didn't take a shot so yeah that's that's why I love that this episode was made for me I'm over here about to cry (laughs) How do you close the gap between what your heart and what you, because you're literally speaking to me, like what your heart and what your intuition wants versus what society as a whole is telling you? Because from my personal experience, it's like what your family and your friends and everyone else around you thinks that you should be doing is very different from the voice inside of you. There's someone out there listening to this. This is what my entire podcast is about. How can you close the gap between the two and tune more into that voice inside of you? Yeah, I think it's the biggest challenge of our times with technology. How do you do that? You find a way to be alone. Mm -hmm. Completely silencing that outside world so that you give a moment to those thoughts, those feelings to actually bubble up to the surface. And so you give them attention. You give them solitude. And I think that that's scary because then (laughs) if you hear the voice, it's very hard to go back. Yeah. I think when you hear, no, like, this is what I really want. Very, very difficult to kind of 
push that down when you don't want to be in the relationship anymore. You don't want to be in the job, the friendship, the whatever it is. Like it's not working and you have to admit that to yourself. And that's why we avoid it. We avoid it because it's easier to stay comfortable. It's easier to be safe. It's easier to listen to what someone else thinks is best and then blame them when it's not working. It's easier. So I think the way to do it is to really give yourself regularly. I mean, daily, ideally, but time alone, no phone, nobody else to influence you to really listen. Was there a time or event in your life where you turned inward and listened to that voice and now you're looking back you have obviously have a few different businesses we're going to talk a little bit about your book that now looking back it came from that moment one of these creations or something in your life yeah 100 percent. I think I've been forced to to explore it which is why now it's so clear to me but definitely I was going and kicking and screaming to this idea of solitude and going to be by myself that's very hard for me I'd much rather be in a group setting with people so definitely went in kicking and screaming um I had a car accident in January of 2019 that left me with a traumatic brain injury so I had a very severe concussion and essentially was in a dark room which by the way is not the best advice but that's what the emergency room told me to do um but so I was really alone in this room with really bad migraines light sensitivity for for months I mean it was January until August I was in rehab I was every day I was at Cairo physio I talk about it in the book of it um, because that definitely was a moment where it was like hang on I'd been traveling a lot I was that I had just launched the pre-sale of the book in November before it happened so and and the I mean, there's so much more to say about the book, but I think it was really, I was driven by ego around the book. If you're a coach, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to have a book. You have to, like, that's just what you're supposed to do. And that's really where I thought, okay, I should write a book. And then I had this car accident that forced me to sit by myself with no screens, nobody. Um, That definitely got me to this place of, hey, wait, there's a voice in here that knows what you want and what you need. And you've been completely ignoring it for most of your life. So definitely the car accident kind of made me go, whoa, there's so much inside of me. I do know what I want. I do know what's important. I do know what I think. Yeah. I don't need anyone else to tell me I've been giving this huge source of power to other people my whole life. Mm -hmm. They don't have to live with the consequences. They don't have to deal with the ramifications of any of my choices, even and if they don't like them and they judge them, which they do no matter what you do. So like, oh, you know, say that like there's no, <laughs> does not matter. You know, like yeah. I just think about even familial expectations, you know, be in a relationship, get married, have kids, get, get a bigger house, better house, more kids. Like there's always more to do in life and people are going to tell you that you're doing it wrong no matter what. So it's like that as a, as a guiding North star is just not it because you'll never get it right depending on who you talk to. So definitely the car accident just slowed me down enough to, to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I loved that you share that. And it's funny, my mom, I've shared this before, like my mom got in a car, a bad car accident and spider asked me this question on one of my episodes. It's like, what was the bit? And that was the biggest thing that transformed. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned was my value and relationship with time. What was the biggest lesson that that 
unfortunate event taught you about yourself and your perspective on life? Yeah, definitely the time component that there is no guarantee. Mm -hmm. We really don't know how much time we have. And um, in the book, I do sort of talk through, okay, an average career, you get about 100,000 hours. So be mindful. But even that's not that much when you start to break it down. So even if you have this great, you know, long 80-year life, even that is is finite and you don't know how much of that you'll get or what it'll be like. It's just there's so much uncertainty. We have so little control. So the present moment is really where it's at in terms of managing what we're what we're doing or making the best use of I think it's it's today it's right now and that definitely gave me a sense of urgency too around no guarantees around time even the time I do have if I get this long great life is not that long Mm -hmm. so I better get to it today you mentioned something that is so important and I think is huge for people to take away from this episode you recognize that the book was stemming from ego elaborate a little bit more on the audience of how you knew that that was stemming from ego and not from your intuition or an inner calling because we oftentimes switch the two until you're silent so elaborate more on that experience yeah I think it's sort of those two paths of inner world versus outer world like it's asking if if you do feel it's your intuition asking yourself why a bunch of times always works um but also if nobody saw this, would I still do it? Mm. You know? And so, of course, a book, a huge thing that has been motivating me lately is to deliver value to who reads it. So that is an external way to impact others. So being driven by serving people or giving to others, I think, is noble. But I think the distinction first between ego and inner calling is if nobody saw this, would I still create it? Would I still do it? Would I still engage? And then, you know, if it is something you're making for the outer world, then sure, focus on being of value, being of service. That's kind of the next step once you've decided it's something you want to do. But if it's, no, I'm just doing it to hold this book in my hand and take a picture and be an author Mm -hmm. versus, no, I would write this just for me as like an exercise and this book really is my whole heart and soul in a, in a book because it took so many years to clarify. Um, I think that's the first step is why am I doing this for me or is it for everyone else? And then if you're going to gain from it, then you can focus on, okay, how do I deliver the most value for other people? But if it's starting from a place of it's it's just for other people or it's just for my image, I don't think that's going to be truly meaningful and fulfilling for you, which is why that's the starting point doing things to be fulfilling for yourself then of course as as you give you're you're impacting others but the the feeling and the the impact is going to be so much greater if you're giving from a place of i love doing this i'm yeah. here just because i want to serve in this way i do this even i would make these cakes even if no one ate them that's different from oh, I have to make 100 cakes you know what i mean like it's yeah So I had to really reckon with myself and say, you know, even if no one reads or buys this book, is it worth the time spent writing it? Do I want to write it? What do do I need to get out on the page and say? So I'd say that's a distinction. From your background in coaching, say there's someone that wants to 
they feel this inner calling, but they don't know what that is or what that means. What's one thing that you would advise them to do to open up the floodgates, if you will, to pursuing down that path? Yeah, I think a lot of the time, even what we think we want isn't always necessarily where we go. You know, I I think even in writing a book, I thought my point B was something, but along the transformative journey of writing it, I've ended up somewhere completely different. So I think even if you're you think you're completely clear on your point B or you have no idea what the point B is, I think coming back to the idea of being present and really taking things one step at a time is where you walk toward the desired feeling, the desired vision, the desired result is in being incredibly mindful in the day-to-day of is this, am I doing this because I feel called to do this or am I doing this out of obligation or for you know the, the image or for others? So it's it's the discernment of day-to-day walking toward what you feel called to. And if you don't know what the end result or what it looks like or, okay, I'm just interested in you know, writing, I don't know if it's a book or a poem or I, I want this podcast, but maybe it ends up being like a TV show or maybe it ends up being a movie like or a series. Like they're just the end result. Yes, it's good to be clear on, but often even with an end result, I think we move. <laughs> it ends up being so different from what you initially envisioned that if you're unclear, that's totally okay. The clarifying point is today and what's my next step? one step at a time, especially, I mean, I'm so prone to just having big ideas and getting super overwhelmed with all the steps to get there. Same thing. It's like, okay, what's my, what's my next step? Only the very next step. Okay. I'm interested in this thing. Okay. Let me just spend some time Googling around. Let me talk to somebody that's in the same space. Let me journal about it. Let me talk to a friend about it just to bounce ideas. Let me get alone and be quiet and listen more in that solitude. So just that very next thing I think makes it so much more manageable and clarifying and you're not biting off more than you can chew, which, hey, again, the best laid plans still have a way of just working out differently than you imagined. So, and it gives you the flexibility too, I think, to, to be adaptable to that, which is a big part of my book too. I think, think sometimes we have something that we envision and you hit on something that's very important that you it it turns out to be very different and I always hear people say that it's far better and I I think obviously we're going to get to your book but it's one example of a million of how you had this thing for a few years ago before a huge event and now I'm sure the book has transformed in a lot of different ways how do you advise people on not looking at that changed plan as a failure and just as a redirection, if you will, in the long term. I think it's, I think this is a controversial topic for some people, um, but I definitely, I, I have faith in God. Yeah. Um, that means that word brings up, so much for so many and religion brings up so much for so many and it's kind of I know we talked about okay like we're not going to politics I think religion's another one and that's just often a no-go for people especially today with the secularization of society people just they'd rather rely on human institutions um I'm not necessarily here to tell people what to believe in any way shape or form but I think for me 
some of the hardest things I've been through, like that accident, if I thought that that was a mistake or failure, if that's the framing that I gave it, I would be more likely to go into a victim mindset about Mm. it. And that doesn't help me. So if you're going into that victim mindset and you're trying to find somebody to save you, I don't think they're, I don't think anybody's coming, you know, like we've got to change our perspective. And so for me, what's done that is believing that, you know, nothing's a mistake. Nothing's a failure. Not everything is for a purpose and a reason. And what helps me do that is having a faith in God or, you know, some power bigger than me that helps me. Um, but you know, if you don't believe in God or church is really triggering for you or that whole arena, I, I totally get it. I mean, again, we're not talking about religion. We're talking yeah. about God and a bigger force that governs all things. But if that doesn't resonate, even just saying, okay, is it productive to, for me to be in the victim mindset in the I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I make all these mistakes, nothing works out for me. Like, is that mental dialogue helping you? And you know, like we, we all have the tendency to go to that place, but it's like, okay, when I notice that I'm having negative thinking, when I notice I'm in that place, it's like, okay, I can make a choice. Yeah. So what choice do I want to make? And for me, it, it's way more productive and helps me to believe that, hey, everything's for a reason. What can I learn from this? That's a big question I ask myself. Um, you know, there's a purpose to everything. This is, this is forming me into the person that I need to be to approach the challenges or the next steps in my life. You know, if I hadn't had the car accident, the book would have been, you know, like if these things didn't happen, I wouldn't be who I need to be. I wouldn't have the transformation that is meant for me in my life for who I'm becoming back to, right. If you, you have this vision, well, one step at a time, right. So over the course of your life, it's like, if I asked you to map out the next 50 years of your life, it'd be really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and how, what's, the longer you're trying to map out, the harder it is to be accurate because there's way more uncertainty. With every mm-hmm. minute, with every day, there's more uncertainty. So, you know what I mean? If I ask you map out the next 50 years, whoa. But if I say, okay, the next 15 minutes, like, yeah, I got a grasp on what I'm doing. Okay, the next 15 hours, 15 days, we can kind of manage that. So um, I think for me, re focusing my perspective from mistake failure wrong to uh, not on time this is taking too long especially with the book you know this this isn't on the timeline i had this isn't looking the way i thought this isn't this <laughs> the the publishers like ev- every single step of the way it's like i thought i wanted this i thought it needed to be like this anytime i have this should idea in my head it's like no this is you know what can i learn here what do I want to focus on? I want to focus on things are working out for me. You know, there's, there's something I can learn. There's something I can gain. What do I want? What do I want to change as a result of this, especially when it's challenging? Right. I think, and and that's what for all of us, we have these aha moments in our life where something Mm -hmm. big happens and it's okay. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to like after my accident, I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink coffee. Like I changed a lot about my lifestyle I had to sleep a lot more and be more intentional about sleep, which that's a whole battle in and of itself, I think. Like, what am I going to do as a result of this moment that you're labeling as a failure, but it's an opportunity? So from failures, I think shifting to opportunities and having some faith, if not in a higher power, then at least in yourself to say, no, I can I can gather something from this. I can learn something from this. 
it's ironic that you organically brought up shifting your personal habits because I always say that what we do in our personal life bleeds directly into our professional life. And obviously you're super successful. You're writing a book. You're here in the States on a whole new journey with entrepreneurship. What's one wellness habit that you come back to each and every single day to center yourself and ground yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. And that word successful, man, we've got to delve into that too, because it's so funny. I thought I was writing a book about being successful and how to be successful, but really it was about finding meaning and fulfillment on a personal level and what you do every day. So it's I have a funny relationship with the word successful, but thank you. That's nice. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds nice to hear. Um, but when I'd, did that, uh, we can come back to my question. Yeah. Why, was there an event that switched that? I usually ask the question, yeah. what does success look like for you? But why did your yeah. perspective on it switch? I think because in my mind, it has some sort of external connotation. Is It's wanting that exact moment that we just had where, oh, you, you know, you're super successful. You, you seem, it's this outward, you seem successful. That's just what the word sort of the connotation it has to me, right? If you're it's successful, yeah, it's it's you look successful. It's the people looking in would say you're successful you feel successful in a superficial or monetary sense though it, it feels very drawn very tied closely to money and materialistic success and or, or achievements as mm -hmm. well which really ties into this perfectionism okay let me like check off things off my list of achievements it feels more egotistical and superficial and so really the car accident was that moment where the the book was one of those things on the list that you should do to be successful hey you've written a book you're successful that's the, the feeling i get behind that word versus what i really shifted the book to and what i've shifted that's important to me which is hey you know what who cares if anyone thinks you're successful are you fulfilled do you feel that you're living a life filled with meaning for yourself because if you feel fulfillment and you feel that every day i get up doing meaningful things they matter it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom you run a bunch of companies you have a garden like it, it actually the the outer perception of that does not matter if you feel an inner sense of fulfillment and so back to your question of okay well, how do you even navigate that i think it comes back to again time time alone if i don't have i'm super extroverted i love to talk i love to be around people if i don't give myself time alone every day I feel like I'm going off course because oh, I'm same. not, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm, I'm so, I'm, it's very easy for me to take on what other people say or think or want or, and, and take it into consideration. I think that's good. I think that's really good to get ideas from people and look it through. That's fantastic. But if I'm not on course with my calling, my North star, what I'm hearing inside, then I, I run the risk of falling back into the same th kind of, track that I was on pre-accident which is following those check marks and mm -hmm. achievements and success whatever whatever that is I mean I, I see in so many ways even with starting companies right I thought it was the the thing I should be doing and it's like no why why are we <laughs> why are we here like what do I actually care about this mission or cause what do I care about why yeah. am I I'm doing it because it sounds good which is just that does not bring fulfillment yeah. if anything it brings resentment and frustration and 
anger, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get down to it, you're just angry and frustrated a lot of the time. You're doing things just to put on a show. So, yeah, I would say, I would say it's changed from that veneer of ego and superficiality and achievement to being of service to people in a way that's bringing me a sense of meaning and fulfillment. And you do that by actually listening. So for for me, the biggest tip is making time away from the phone, away from every distraction to hear that voice. What does fulfillment mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the two words get thrown around a lot. A a really powerful book for me was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Talks about his experience in... Auschwitz and the the Nazi camps there um and I think I think you really touched upon this idea of being very present and finding meaning in the daily life and the small things um and fulfillment for me would be following that voice following an authentic calling fulfilling your need to walk toward that calling there really isn't an end goal until you die, frankly, because you're never you're never done until you're gone. So meaning is what you derive on a daily basis. Fulfillment is walking that authentic path toward what you're being called to do, to create, to to be. That's how I distinguish those two. What's one question that someone can ask themselves that's wanting to find more fulfillment in their lives to open up? their mind to receive yeah I think you get alone in a room you get comfy and you just say okay what do I want what do I need right now what am I what's the very next step you know sometimes I mean what do I want what do I need that feels massive if you like to depends on your way of thinking some people think top down other people think bottom up okay I want all my little to-do list tasks and then I'll create the bigger thing other people are no I have these huge dreams bring me back down to what am I supposed what should I do today so it depends on what kind of thinker you are you can start from the bottom okay what's the very next step that's a question there um if you're more of a dreamer you might even need to ask yourself that same question okay just what's my next step to bring yourself back down to to the present moment so if you want a dream, I would say, what do I want? What do I need? What's you can ask yourself and sit there with it and okay, what's what am I being called toward? What's the bigger thing for me? What's really important to me right now? It's a good question too. Like what's what's my priority right now? Because that answer is going to change. If you're mm-hmm. having kids or you're recently divorced or you're starting a business, what's important to you at different stages? That's another thing with this book. I started writing it in my mid twenties, now I'm thirty. It's four years, but I'm, I feel like a completely different human. So that changes. So I think what's important to me and what's the very next step are probably those two questions, depending on if you want to hit it from a priorities vision level or from the, I feel super uncertain and just want to kind of grab onto the very next moment and get some control. So you wrote a book over the course, theoretically, of four years, and you just alluded to the fact that you've grown so much. What, after we're going to do post-car accident, what was the initial vision that you had in mind for this book? Yeah, the initial vision was really, you know, how to be successful, like build a career that makes you successful, this sort of like career coach. It just, it even feels like, talking about it feels like, oh, that's so, I don't know, it would have been super like 
Instagrammable little like <laughs> things and, you know, like really focused on how can I share about this in a really marketable way and how how to be successful would have been like, you know, that was the goal and defining what is success, how to make a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. This book still looks at, okay, how do you offer your calling to other people? How do you structure that offer? How do, how do you price it? There's still that sort of very granular knowledge and clarification about, okay, bring your idea to the world and make some money. Yes, because money is just the energy that you're bringing in from your efforts. So I'm not vilifying money. It's an important currency to exchange energy. But I think pre-accident, it was that external success, achievement-based, looking good, building a career that you feel proud of from a from an external gratification standpoint versus building a career you feel proud of because you feel like you're authentically following your heart. You are day after day fulfilled with meaning. You walk, you, you get home at the end of the day and it's like, that was a meaningful day. I had a really good conversation, you know. That to me is a meaningful day when I have powerful conversations so that I can go to bed at night being like, yeah, this was worth it. If I, you know, if tomorrow doesn't come, like, no, I'm okay. This was a good day. So that was sort of the pre and then post of what is, why am I putting something out into the world and exposing my whole heart and soul for people to judge, which they inevitably will, right? Like we talked about. So why am I doing this? myself why am I putting myself out there in such a vulnerable way it's it's so that people can pursue a life filled with daily meaning and fulfillment of their calling what's the biggest thing that you learned about yourself throughout the book writing process yeah give yourself more time forever like I that I'm in I've learned that I'm impatient um oh same (laughs) the final the final uh the final chapter of the book is called Patience. And so that was the hardest chapter to write. That was the most, like, that is everything I've learned since the accident. I feel like my accident recovery. Um, I, I got married after the accident. So, like, being in marriage and that requires so much patience. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think that has been such a big, big shift in me is going from and I don't get me wrong I'm still impatient yeah. it's um, in our nature <laughs> yeah yeah it's like so tied to all of these overachiever perfectionism things like that I better do it on time and like really pressuring myself and even now I mean we're weeks to the launch of the book at the time that we're recording this and it's like I definitely am feeling that tendency and that pressure to be like okay we needed this done yesterday you know but it's going back to, okay, it will release even if it's a few days late. Like it's been four, I've waited four years. If we don't release on the day we set, like, hey, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So it's this sort of um, wrestling with myself on that. And that's the biggest thing I think the book has taught me. The process of writing a book, being with a publisher and an editor and having to go back and forth on the book and seeing how it's evolved and allowing chapters to sort of come to me okay, what do I want from this chapter? I can't, I I can sit down and write it, but clarifying the intention, like I definitely wrote the book in different chunks and then came back and together. Yeah. So, I mean, patience for sure is what has been drawn out of me in this whole process. Definitely. And just in my personal life, post-accident of healing and recovery and 
dating and getting married and like we got married during the pandemic you know like which yeah I, I thought that was fine but a lot of people are like wow you did that I'm like yeah we got we had two weddings one of my between- friends did that yeah. Yeah. Sure that yeah I didn't see anything to it I thought it was great what's a pandemic gotta do what you got well yeah I mean hey I wasn't in your situation, but I probably it. I mean, your whole life was on hold, and so. But when it's something like this, it's such a big turning point in your life. You're like, okay, well, kind of like less of two evils. It's like, which one do you do at this point? I mean, yeah, and hey, everybody's got like I've got friends that definitely waited to have yeah. that like fairy tale wedding, and it, they've been beautiful weddings, and I'm so happy for them. And that's awesome if that's that's what, you what you, that's important yeah. to you. I just I was very. Back to get in a room by yourself and say, okay, what's important to me about getting married? For me, it was like I there are a certain number of people that I really need in this room and in this church and in this place to witness me taking this step in my life. You know, it's not yep. about Instagram. It's not yeah. about having like I and it was still beautiful. I had a beautiful dress. I had got two wedding dresses. Like, you know, I had the beautiful experience. Um, one challenge I'd say was that, okay, my husband's family was all in Switzerland. My family was in Canada. So we did have to have the two weddings. So that was, let's say in an ideal world, I would have loved to have everyone together. Um, but both of our families witnessed our love. The people that were important were able to be there for the most, the core people, and that's what was important to me. So back to that question again. It's yeah. like, okay, what's important, important to, to me? You. Is it the 500 person fairy tale Instagrammable wedding? That wasn't what was important to me. And I, I could have, let's say pre-accident, been very pulled toward that. My whole family, all my friends, anybody that I know was pushing for that. Why would you get married now? You can't have all of the people that you want to have. You can't have the big hall. You can't have, it's like, That was a perfect example after the accident to say, this is a big life choice. What's important to me? None of that is important Mm -hmm. to me. It's important to me to have the right people there. It's important for me to have it in a church witnessed, witnessed in a, in a, let's say, I don't know. I don't know what that word is. Like um, a sacred environment, like a, like a, like witnessed in front of family and friends in community in a sacred place that was important to me very intimate yeah hey it's your life i mean (laughs) i my mom might kill me for this one but i always say i would just go to hawaii and get married and just be i'm not when people i've never thought about a wedding ring ever in my life there was one girl that came in here and i really liked hers other than that i don't even look i've never looked at a wedding dress like i am the opposite so to your point like what's important to me Mine is more the person that I have to be glued to for the rest of my life. That's my only, that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about. Everything else, we'll we'll figure that part out. But I'm like big, I'm the bigger vision. Like I think very big and then I come down to point. Um, But yeah, no, I'm definitely not a detour. And it's all, it's your life. I mean, it's one, I always say it's one day in the course of a lifetime. And we kind of alluded to like, you're not promised tomorrow, but in the same sense, life for the most part is a lot longer and there are a lot of time. And so it's like, if it's just one small moment in one small day, as long as it's what you loved and what you, then that's all that matters. Totally. And I resonate with that too, of being in alignment with the person, right? I mean, some women spend two years planning and that's totally cool. Like, or a year planning the, <laughs> yeah. these events. And if that brings you a sense of 
fulfillment, that you're walking toward what's important to you, hey, but discerning, it. but it's it's in that process that we've been, I think, talking about this whole conversation of discerning the difference. Yeah. Know the difference. Are you doing this because of you or because of expectation? So that's, I think that's one really big life step that a lot of people, and, and also you get closer to 30, a lot of people get married because they think they should, period, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I think there's huge value and meaning in the, in the actual sacrament of marriage from a religious perspective in the church and being witnessed and like that whole sort of experience and, and pr making a promise, a lifelong yeah. promise that's really hard to keep. It's, it's, it's not easy to stay married to somebody that's going to disappoint you, that's going to upset you. That's, that's a big promise and vow that you're making. So being in community, having people watching you make that promise and supporting you in that huge commitment you're making. I think that that, is a definite step from yeah let's see how it goes and we'll just live together but like if i don't like you tomorrow then i'm just out of here which is a lot it's not the same level of commitment and promise so that's the value i see in marriage and it's very difficult to uphold i mean i, I ask people that have been married for 20 30 50 years all the time like how <laughs> how the heck do you do it and it's i think it is in that steadfast decision of like no i'm we're in it no matter what like yeah. that that there's no turning back um because i think if there's a turning back then and i mean it's not without pain and suffering for sure yeah um but yeah i think that's what i think that's where i think that's what marriage has taught me and i think that's what the difference in these two is like okay am i am i ready to make this choice internally as something that i'm fulfilling do i feel called to fulfill this big vow and promise to another human being not knowing what's going to happen not knowing how long we have all of the uncertainty am i willing to promise this big commitment make this big vow to you or am i doing it because i want to ring and i'm 30 and i want to have a yeah. big day and a nice party and a beautiful dress and like all my friends are doing it so i should and we've been dating for four years so we definitely should it's like whoa no no <laughs> Yeah. I don't care how long you've been dating. Do you want to make that big commitment to that other person? Because it's much, it's much harder to pick up the pieces after all of that than to date someone new and find a new dress like that. that you know what I mean? Like there's no comparison. So, but the pressure's real for yeah. all those those yeah. superficial things. The pressure's so real, and, and it's for anything and. And you can take that concept, but I think the biggest point that you alluded to is that there's, there's so much unknown in life and you can take that relationship, career, whatever it is going on and that it can't, you can't let that dictate your actions and the things that you're doing each and every day. And so I feel like the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this entire episode is that the discernment, are you doing this for you? Or are you doing it for someone else? And if you're doing something because it's coming from internal and it's something that you want it's going to lead to something that's much bigger and it's going to align and fulfill you in a way that you probably didn't seem or didn't think could be possible. And then to the other point of like, if you're just doing this because it's external and like your book is a great, like you were doing something that was external and that's probably why it didn't come to fruition is because it wasn't for the inward motion. It wasn't for what you wanted internally. But now it's like you have this book that's coming to fruition four years later, which you probably wanted a lot sooner, but it's coming out in a way that's authentic and true to who you are as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, 
the way to approach everything, as mm. you've said. I mean, there's just no question anything. And I mean, you can see it at work in your own day to day life when you push, when it's I have to, when I should, when it's the experience of it is different and the result is different when you force things. You, you, you use your will to force them. It just feels different while you're doing it, after you're doing it, even if you achieve the thing, it's kind of the, even the result is sort of lackluster because uh, I compromised my heart. I put it out there, even if it's successful, but I don't believe in this. It doesn't mean anything to me. Then how, how you don't feel the, the same joy and satisfaction from it. You can't. If your heart's behind something, no question. Even if one person reads my book in full, that person's getting me and getting my heart, my soul in, in that book. No, no comparison. For someone that's reading the book, what's the biggest thing that you want them to take out of reading the book? I know it's a big question, but. I think it's just what you sort of summarized. It's plus the value of time, I guess. So, hey, today is really important and it's uncertain. It's, it's everything you said. Today is uncertain. Tomorrow's uncertain. You you can't control everything. So make a choice to control your thoughts, the things you can control, and go toward what your heart is saying. Because what's the alternative? Waiting, suffering, that victim mindset we talked about, swirling around and if I, what if, what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? Yeah. Like there are these two tracks I see. It's like, hey, your time is so precious. This life that you have is so precious and you don't know how long you have. Get off of that victim track of talking to yourself like you don't matter or your dreams don't matter get out of there and get on a track of going after what you care about that's that's what i want people to take away that they deserve that that they can have that that they can aim toward that daily not every day will go that way there will be negative thoughts but it's like aim point yourself yeah in that direction in the direction steer the know? car in that direction <laughs> yeah go that way because it's a hell of a lot more fulfilling than the alternative. What's the biggest roadblock that people have when they've turned their car? So let's say their car is going down towards the direction of fulfillment. What's the biggest obstacle that stops them from getting to where their heart desires that you've seen in your personal experience? I think what we've been talking about, that need for control. Because we, so you're in a negative mindset or you don't believe in yourself or you're doubting okay, no, I'm going to, I want this. I'm going to go, I'm going to write the book. I'm going to build the business. I'm going to do the thing. Okay, three months later, wait, this is taking longer. This is, I'm not a success yet. Two years later, hey, I'm still not done. I still didn't pick a publisher. Is this going to, is anyone going to read this? What am I even doing here? You try to control the outcome so much and the process so much that you feel like you're a failure. You give up, you go back to that path. So I think when people, you've turned the car, Go one step at a time and let it unfold. Plan. Make a plan. I mean, for this book launch, I have to have a plan. Yeah. But, hey, you know, interviews will get canceled or things might not work out or it might release a couple days late. Keep the car turned in that direction even when your thing, the things you're controlling or your will is pulling you back to doubt yourself or pulling you back to the other side. I think it's like once you've turned, keep keep yourself there is probably the hardest bit even though it's going to meander because in those unforeseen turns it's so easy to go back to see like you prove it to yourself see 
I can't do this. I'm not meant to write this or build this or create this. And you look for that confirmation. It's like, no, this is all right. It's a turn. Like, keep going. Keep moving in that direction. I think that's it's the persistence and the willingness to release control of how it happens. It's like you should know the what and aim toward it. But how that comes to be. Hey, that's that's the adventure. I think that's the adventure. If you knew how things were going to work out, I mean, that would be so boring. We wouldn't want Mm -hmm. that either. So it's like, okay, wait, no, I like that. This is exciting. This is exciting. This is an adventure. I can figure this out one step at a time. So you've turned the car. Keep talking yourself into that and let go of your need for some some control, because, again, how much do we really have? What's one thing one tactical thing that you do when you catch yourself trying to control or force an outcome. I'm going to use your book as an example. You alluded to a lot of different things coming your way and just things were changing. So what's one thing that you would advise other people to do tactically when they find themselves in this like control force, overwhelm mindset to let go and tap back into that intuitive flow energy? Yeah, I feel like I I don't know if this is right or wrong that I keep giving the same answer, but I think it's right. I think it's first you notice so hey okay like i'm i'm pushing i'm forcing i'm in that mode um not to say you shouldn't take action toward what you want but it's it's a feeling of forcing your will like i'm gonna make it work (laughs) so you notice you have to notice it before you can do anything and then i think it's removing yourself again it's it's okay pause hang on five minutes let's take a break this is like i'm frustrated anything i produce right now is not going to be good or the way i want it to come out so whoa and I've done this so many times editing the book at 12 11 sorry 12 editing the book at midnight 2 a.m like trying to meet editing deadlines and it's like I'm just I'm I'm forcing this step away do something completely different change the environment and get back into connection with okay wait what's important to me what's the intention of this chapter or of this particular thing I'm working on why am I here what do I really need to do right now? Like just start clarifying for yourself away from time pressure. Oh my gosh, time pressure, like urgency feeling. Okay, I have this deadline. That's when we get into this. Okay, I'm gonna, frantic. Yeah, I'm going to push it through. Yeah. It's like, hold on. How many deadlines are, even if you're a bit late, really? Like most of the time you're going to be fine. Even if you miss a deadline, you can. we can definitely look at, okay, how can you maybe work on it a bit sooner and not procrastinate to the end? Yeah. But- um, you know, nothing is as urgent. Most things are not as urgent as they seem. So definitely taking a step back, being alone, reconnecting. Hey, you know, is this how I want to approach this? Like checking in with myself. Is this what I really want? And um, if the answer is no, and I can either postpone it if I'm really not into it or mm-hmm. sit back down after a break, a bit more aligned. I think that's like the but the first step is noticing that you're doing it because yeah, it's such an easy, I mean, for me, it's such an easy pattern of, no, I got to get these things done. I don't care what it takes. I won't eat. I won't sleep. I'll just push. Do. Yeah. Never ends well. Yeah. No, like physically, mentally, the yeah. whole thing just starts breaking down. So definitely the first step is noticing it and practicing noticing it because it, you'll repeat it. I mean, it's a pattern of, of <laughs> yeah overachieving or whatever you call it I don't know what that is but yeah maybe over trying to overachieve um or being unrealistic or pushing yourself beyond yeah and I think when you're coming from that place of fulfillment as well 
you can do a lot more because you're not the pushing energy is so much more effort when things mm-hmm. when, when you allow like it, it, it's also kind of a masculine feminine energy question yes. like when you allow things <laughs> yeah when you when you kind of put your stake in the ground okay this is what i want to create this book and you allow the ideas and you allow the writing i've had moments of writing where it pours out of me in a way like i don't even know who's right it's not even me writing it i feel like i'm just these ideas are coming to me and then there are times where it's like okay i have to write this last paragraph completely different book that comes out of you and it's like i must sit down and write this now yes structure is important (laughs) so you got to sit down and write but i think clarifying okay my intention is to write this chapter being clear in your intent and then allowing it to allowing the ideas and the next steps and the actions to come to you is definitely a more feminine approach and i think especially for women actually we're very because a lot of things are more masculine Mm -hmm. You know, schedule, do it, doesn't matter. Just get it done and pushing and a bit more forceful and go out and seek the thing, get the thing. Um, I think for men and women, there's just a need to balance a bit of both. Yes, first set your intention. Know what you're looking for. Then go out and you'll see what you're looking for in the world and you can go and get it. Not going out and trying and pushing and forcing without that first clarity. So I think that's what it is. It's go be alone get get yourself not you could be again a man it's not it's just energies but yeah go out get be your be by yourself get that clarity of intention what are you looking for what are you wanting and then go out and act out in that masculine fashion so i think it's sort of a it's not either or it's more like a first and then second step that i think if i'm just in the doing side of things enforcing and pushing um feels like I'm rolling a rock up a hill, which is like, well, hang on. Why don't we put it at the top and let it roll down? Kind of like, let's find a way to make it easier, if that makes sense. And I think your book, I was going to relate it to a a house, but since we're on the book topic, I think the content is what makes the book. And that's the creative. That's the feminine energy, the actual structure, the pages, the hard, the actual action and everything of the book is the masculine. So I think if you think about it that way for the audience, like when you have this creative dream or this vision, or like for me, it was a podcast. It's like, okay, so that was coming from the feminine and a my guest and a lot of stuff is like more intuitive or things that flow to me, but the actual action that I have to take is more masculine and it's hard balance sometimes because I have it in, in my past leaned more fem or more masculine. Like I'm very much of a doer, get things done now. Like that's just more of my personality. I think a lot of it has to do with how I was raised, but I started to see a, see a real shift when I tapped more into that feminine and like allowed things to flow through the, through me more because it created more opportunities in a way that I didn't think was possible because I wasn't being so rigid and so structured. And so there is a fine balance. And I also think it's where you're at. So like there's probably times where you had to be more masculine with the book. Like I need to be more structured. I need to do this. And then there's times where you could tap into that creativeness, if you will. Am I correct on that? Yeah, definitely. And I think that whole process starts with the awareness of how am I being? Yeah. Same thing with the mindset of, okay, am I in the negative and victim or am I in the possibility mind? Like it's the first step of all of this is awareness, which is why the advice I keep giving is go be by yourself so that you can like think about some of this stuff. Without- We're doing a meditation challenge yeah. right now. So this is literally <laughs> exactly it. Like stillness oh. is key. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many other things that can impact our thinking. So absolutely. I, I think that getting alone noticing it and then deciding 
okay, what what is it for this season or for this project or for this task at hand? Is it a more masculine or is it a more feminine? Like that's a great distinction to make because definitely in school or in the workplace, I think a lot of it is very focused on the masculine. And when we ask ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, but how can I make this easier? A lot of the time, making things easier means using the feminine side because it's less about force and more about intent and then observing and like you said you see more opportunities yeah but you see with that intuition it's like then you start seeing okay what could i do and then you know out of those 10 options okay no, i'm going to pursue these two your your direction your actions are actually more impactful because you took the time to to think and intuit and feel about okay what what do i want what's my intent what are the options which ones are best for me then act and i think a lot of us are living our lives putting out fires every day you know what's burning what's the most urgent task what must i complete right now and so living from that place of urgency and just trying to put out fires is way less effective than sitting back surveying Mm -hmm. the landscape and then making our choice so i think i think that's really important but it's it's so easy to live in that urgency of Mm-hmm. have to do this now it's it's almost exhilarating but that's i think where burnout really comes from too is yeah. constantly living in that state of burning out fi- putting out fires and needing to complete things on some preordained schedule i think i think that's where burnout really comes from and stillness is i think uh pushing is is a very reactive so it's like i have to do this i have to do this versus stillness gives you the option to be proactive so how can i be proactive to approach things and that's the biggest thing that meditation stillness visualization has really taught me is i take a more proactive approach to my day instead of having things being thrown at me because when you're in that still stillness you can feel and it's like you you know what you need to do it's not those to do they're always going to be there but it gives you the space to be creative of like how are you going to get there? And it's also going to bring up things that you maybe you didn't think about previously that are going to, to your point, get you to your goal a little bit faster had you not been in that. So I think that's another thing that I always like to tell people is like one's more reactive and one's more proactive towards a goal. Totally. And I really like that you brought up meditation is one that it's sort of like God. People have this idea of it. And so I, I really, I move away from the word, but as a practice, I think definitely meditation is focusing on your breath or a specific thing in order to create that stillness and that awareness for things to come to you and then letting them go and it's it depends what your intention of your meditation is but I feel like that word people have this idea and oh I'm not good at it or I can't like it's this funny word so I I I try to shy I shy away from it because what people think of it but definitely and then visualization is another one huge in coaching and absolutely massive for clarifying so Definitely it's in the book. It's something I use with clients and you can do on your own for sure. And it's in those questions of, okay, what do I, what do I want or what's important to me? You start seeing pictures and images and even feelings or ideas in your mind. And that's what visualizing is, right? It's imagining your mind before it's real, mm-hmm. right? So if you have it Manifestation. clear, yep. well, yeah. And so the same point A, point B, if you're as clear as you can be on your point B, so much easier to then get there even if it's just like you said for your day okay what do i want for my day you just sit there for a second okay what do i want out of this day what are the most important things you visualize yourself going through the day does it mean it's all going to go to plan no but it means that you're you know what you're looking out for Mm -hmm. throughout the day and the the feeling you want to bring to it and your intention like for me authenticity bringing authenticity to this podcast is was 
is and was my intention whenever I'm sharing in a public way because I know it's so easy for me to do the veneered polish thing, mm-hmm. to do the what what should I say, what do they want to hear thing. That's so easy for me to put to do that. I don't know. Like it's like almost a skill that you have to put it on, like put on that show of yeah. your persona, whatever that even is. And it's like so for me coming into this today, it's like, okay, authenticity. Okay, I shouldn't say that I was started out writing the book out of ego, but that's what it was. And yeah. and I learned so much because but people connect to that. Authenticity is what everyone connects to. I mean, yeah, because it's real. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can't even so the intention allows you to be real with yourself so that you can go forth in the world, be in the world in that way. So it's like you've got to get yourself in a row, like you've said. You've got to get your own ducks in a row, be clear, and then you can go out and have your day and do your thing and be that person. So, I mean, com- for me, it's completely about clarifying intention by visualizing what it is that I want. Absolutely. So that when I'm in this real moment, mm-hmm. I've already thought about what I want this to be like. I've already thought about the the feeling I want to create, about the way I want to answer questions, about what matters to me that to to share so i'm not here just rattling off a set of answers for you or coming from my head this is from your heart so yeah yeah. where can people find your heart and soul that is now into the universe pimp yourself out (laughs) give then i'm gonna let you do the honors and give everyone the name of your book and where they can find you and i'm gonna put all this in the show notes but have at it yeah so it's called memorable and the subtitle is Lessons to Leave a Legacy. Um, so you can find that pretty much anywhere that people sell books, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, etc. cetera. Um, and anything online is just my name. So Kalina Maletic, and that'll be linked in the places. Um, so yeah, you can find me by my name pretty much anywhere online. And then the book is called Memorable. Thank you so much for being on. This podcast was incredible. I feel like I learned so many things and I love when we go spiritual. That's one of my favorite topics. But the last question I ask every single person is, Kalina, what are you grateful for today? That's a very good question. There's so many things. There's actually an exercise in a book to cultivate gratitude. So it's bringing that to mind. You can give more than one. I write down like seven every day. So we might be one and the same. (laughs) Yeah, I I think... I think I'm very grateful for the opportunity to to share from my heart and have people hear it and have people interested in listening to it. I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity to share from my heart and that it hopefully impacts, I mean, even just you, right? That That I'm able to share what's on my heart and have it be heard. I'm so grateful that there's a forum for that, for me, and that people want to hear it. I'm, I'm I feel very lucky to have that opportunity. Amazing. Her energy is very genuine. You can hear it through your earphones wherever (laughs) you are listening or if you're watching this. And I am grateful for this podcast. I've said this one before. I always write down a million, but I feel like just the people that I've met throughout this entire process and the relationships that I've cultivated and the people that I've met have inspired me in many ways. So thank you so much for being on. You're amazing.